The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now I want you to imagine a member of a football club uh, in Ireland and imagine all those members pooled together and they wrote a letter to the FAI and they said listen we love football but we think it should be 15 aside and the ball should be oval and they can hold it and they can keep kicking the ball forward but they have to throw it backwards. Now I think it'd be fair to suggest that they weren't really football fans they were actually rugby fans and they were in the wrong club. So what do we make of this letter sent to the Vatican from uh, members of parishes uh, up and down the country of Catholic parishes uh, calling for major changes in the church changes in the church's attitude to women and LGBTQI plus people to those who are divorced or remarried and calling for things like women priests for married priests and then to celibacy. Michael Kelly is the editor of the Irish Catholic newspaper and he is with me now. Michael, how much of a disconnect is there between what the church teaches or what it professes to teach and what parishioners really believe? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the best way probably to describe this consultation is um, some people want radical change, some people don't want any change at all, and most people couldn't care either way. I mean, this consultation process has been going on in about, you know, Ireland's 1,100 parishes, and it's, you know, it's been patchy. If you take the number of people in the census who describe themselves as Catholic, about 0.5% of them participated in the census. If you look at those who are regular mass goers, you know, so once every few weeks, once a month, something like that, about 2% of people participated. Uh, But there's no doubt that of those who participated, the vast majority of them uh, do propose some radical changes when it comes to things that have not up to this point been part of the Catholic tradition, things like the ordination of women, married priests like that. So there is a groundswell, but I think it's important to kind of see it. It's a a small number of people uh, involved, really, rather than any kind of mass movement of uh, of, of mass-going Catholics. Despite that, if you were to poll all Catholics and they were to all partake in, in, in a poll and volunteer uh, their own views, I, I find it hard to imagine the overwhelming majority would be completely in tandem, their beliefs in tandem with what the church believes. Oh, I think that's true, but I think that it, it doesn't keep them up at night. Uh, I, I think the number of people who it keeps up at night is is very limited and probably the people who have uh, have come forward. Certainly the, there's no question that the, uh, the church and many people who, including many people who go to Mass regularly, are uh, out of step and the reason for that is actually really like most things in politics even as well it really depends on where you find yourself falling down on the church spectrum whether you think of yourself as a liberal or a conservative liberal catholics will say well that's because the church has got to get with the times and contemporary society has moved on conservative catholics will tell you oh that's because the church has dropped the ball and it stopped teaching people properly and it stopped articulating what it actually believes in public and that's why there's so much confusion so i think that's actually the fault line in this whole synod process and I think when the things go to Rome and you know there's supposed to be a meeting of representatives of all the Catholic bishops in the world in Rome next October I think that's the major fault line to look out for Uh, basically people depending on where they stand ideologically is the remedy they have for the future of the church and 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 what do you imagine that future to be I mean is it is it catering to those who want to see change, uh, liberal change, is it kind of accepting that that's no longer, uh, you know, that the, the the idea of the broad church is no longer uh, possible, and you instead cater to those with the, I suppose, the stricter, if we'll use that word, uh, or more conservative views, or is it actually somewhere in the between, and the church just kind of trundles on as it always well, has. It- 
you see, I think there's always been a broad church. Catholicism has always been a broad church. And I think people have always been pretty creative about where they find themselves in the mix as well. I mean, you can have people who are on the face of it, you know, very good mass going Catholics. And, you know, one takes that obviously very, very seriously. But you sit down with them and uh, you discuss quite often, you might find that actually what they believe is an amalgam of, you know, kind of Buddhism, uh, mind, body, spirit, uh, Catholicism. I think people actually are quite mature religiously, uh, people who have decided to to, to engage with that side of uh, of their mind. And I think they're able to uh, pull different bits and pieces from different things. I mean, some people like to use the term uh, a la carte uh, Catholics, and that makes some people in church leadership grumble. But it's actually, it's just a reality. Um, People have uh, decided for themselves. And I think you'll you'll increasingly find that, you know, you will have many people who will say, well, look, I consider myself a very conservative Catholic. I consider myself an Orthodox Catholic. I believe everything that the church believes. And, you know, they'll find themselves very comfortable. But uh, there's many other people who perhaps want to believe uh, a little bit less than uh, the church teaches. Are they really Catholics, though? You know, there's there's the idea that they're actually kind of Protestants in disguise. (laughs) <laughs> pseudo protestants they just haven't made the leap um, but i mean look anyone anyone who's baptized is a catholic i mean that that's something that exists for all eternity and anyone who tells me that they're a catholic i mean i simply say okay i mean i i don't have any kind of litmus test for it and traditionally the church hasn't really had a litmus test for it i mean look okay you can say that here's what uh, here's what the church teaches but always throughout human history the church has always understood that it teaches ideals now it teaches them believing that people should actually try to reach them. It's not as if you kind of say, oh, well, there's those church ideals, but I'm not going to remotely try. But but it also knows that you can only ask of people what they're mm. capable of at the same time. So it's about trying to find that, that happy medium, because ultimately Catholicism shouldn't just be about rules and regulations. And I think that's where we've gone wrong consistently in this country. We've tended to kind of try to hammer rules into people when actually the whole thing should be about a, a spiritual experience, a, a faith experience, because if people aren't going to be nourished there, they're, they're just going to walk away because they're the rules and regulations don't make any sense outside of a context of spirituality. But what, what would you make then or what would your response be to those few, admittedly few, who responded to the survey and do want to see radical change? I mean, would you urge caution? I mean, I would certainly urge caution because the biggest change they're going to see is around mood music. I mean, the Catholic Church's self-identity is such that it actually doesn't believe that it can change certain things. I mean, Pope Francis was uh, giving an interview about this recently, and he was asked about the issue of women's ordination and he, uh, as priests, and he replied very bluntly, he said, look, that door's closed. The Catholic Church can't have, have women priests. So the Catholic Church's self-identity is such that it doesn't believe it has the authority to do the those things where I think you'll see change is, and look, this should be happening anyway, is around the uh, around the mood music. Like if you have a report, as it says in this report, that single parents feel unwelcome in the church, well, actually, there's very little the Pope can do about that. What's the local parish doing about that? I mean, if the local parish is not a welcoming place for uh, for for single parents, then there's nothing the Pope in Rome can do about that. People need to look at themselves and decide what they can do there. Likewise, issues like. Um, 
LGBT people. I mean, there's never going to be a situation where you're going to have uh, gay marriages in the Catholic Church. The Church's sacramental understanding of itself just, just wouldn't permit that. But you do have many, many gay Catholics, and many of them report that they don't feel welcome in the local parish. Again, that's not something. I mean, the Pope isn't going to get, you know, a Mars Minor and start driving around the parishes of Ireland and showing them how to be inclusive to people. That's something that's going to have to happen at a grassroots level. So a lot of these reports are coming from parishes and okay. I would put the ball back to them and say, look, if your parish is not welcoming to X, Y and Z type of people, then you've got to wonder why that is. Uh, Gina Menzies is with us as well, the theologian. Uh, Gina, w- what is your view on, on these calls for the church to well, liberalise? Well, I don't like labels for starters. You know, it's so easy to sort of polarise everything. Liberals, conservatives, talking about numbers and statistics. I do think this document is quite intriguing in many ways. Um, It's very readable, which is welcome. Uh, I think it is radical. Um, The uh, uh, priest in the Association of Catholic Priests of Ireland said he was, uh, Tim Hazelwood said he was stunned by it. I think it does reflect, albeit if you want to talk about percentages, I think it does reflect the views of many people who still uh, belong to the Catholic Church and who still try to live a Christian life in in Ireland, even though the numbers perhaps who went to the the listings, maybe they weren't huge, but I think they were very representative of of people that I know, of people in the pews. And I think this is the radical, if you like, uh, change uh, or insight, I think is a much better word, that hopefully will will follow through, that the Church is almost playing um, catch up with the insight of ordinary ordinary people in the pews who seem to be far ahead in their understanding of Christian living and how to to be as good as they can be. And I accept Mm. what Michael says. It's always a challenge, and we all all fall down. But I think the notion that whatever or whoever we understand God to be would only talk to the institutional church, would only give insights to the institutional church, is really long since past. I think insights come from many, many places and many experiences. And what we need to do is to be able to identify those insights and, and work together, to be honest, to make the world you know, a better place. So one bit of me really thinks that at the moment, when I look at the state of the world and all the ghastly things that are happening, that we could really do with a lot more Christianity, but a Christianity that's full of the gospel values of compassion, of justice, of love, of, of forgiveness, and I think the sad history of the church in Ireland, which is very reflected in the document, in fairness to the bishops, you know, that the context is really the history of abuse and the history of the treatment, particularly of women, particularly in Ireland. And, you know, if you look at the, the church in Germany, they've had a synodal path and they're, they're way, way ahead. Um, and yes, they've been castigated for it, but they look on their church, they look on what's happened and they say, you know, were we really living the gospel in all these situations and therefore the values and I think you know they're going in a different direction and I would hope that that would be reflected in you know the action that follows from the synod mm. that's going to take well, a place next year I mean all it's, it's fascinating really because all the issues all the themes and I, and I read the document today are ones that if like a group I belong to a group called We Are Church Ireland that was founded 25 years ago it's an international uh, movement as well but, you know, when we started, we talked about women in the church, we talked about LGBT, we talked about divorced and remarried, we talked about celibacy, we talked about abuse, we talked about an inclusive church, we talked about, you know, living by an informed conscience, about the whole church's whole approach to sexuality. And, like, we would be considered, you know, complete outliers, uh, you know, radical, sort of um, very weird kind of Christians. And when I look at this document, 
it reflects all those things 25 years later as if everybody's kind of moving in the same and, direction and, and and what about the the idea that that michael put forward gina that actually the real leadership in terms of of welcoming and inclusivity should be made on the parish level that there's very little the pope can do i think michael talked about you know getting in his morris minor and driving from parish to parish in ireland that people should be looking to their own parish priest if they don't feel welcome well, I mean, I, I do think I would agree with that, that the whole centrality of the Catholic Church being focused in Rome really is not making an awful lot of sense these days. I think, you know, greater autonomy should be yielded to the local churches. And it is up to the local bishops to take you know, the courage in their hands to take, take this document and ensure that the values that it wants to live by um, are transferred into the local community. I mean, I accept the Pope can't travel to every diocese, every community in Ireland. But undoubtedly, you know, he has leadership. Um, you know, he is supported by, by the majority of Catholics and he can give, you know, leadership examples and, and to, to, show, to show how we can be better Christians, how we can, if you like, mediate between the gospel and society. And that's the, the only purpose of the church. I mean, you know, belief, if you went into a sort of a church on, in any, in, at any religious service and you sort of did a survey of exactly what people believe, I think you'd find a, a very mixed um, you know, response. I think the real thing is uh, not so much what you believe, but how you live your life, how you read the Bible, how you take the gospel, and how you try and inform your your daily actions by that. I don't think there's any more than that. I think you know. I've often heard um, you know people who would disagree with me say, "Oh, sure, look, you know, um, just go to the Protestant church." And and these changes have mm. been in many of the Protestant churches for a long time, and their churches aren't full. But, you know, it's not about fitting churches with people. It's about bringing a message that makes us, you know, better people, that makes us live our lives better and behave better towards each other, not fitting churches. And I, I wouldn't discount the notion of community. I totally believe in it. I belong yeah. to a living community myself. But I think, you know, the, the really important thing is how we live on a daily basis and whether we take the gospel seriously or not. Gina Menzies, theologian, Michael Kelly, editor with the Irish Catholic newspaper. Thank you both very much uh, for joining me here on the show. Chris says Ireland seems to be the only country where Catholic and Protestant uh, are defining any other country I visited. When people ask, they just simply reply, Christian. Chris, thank you for the text. 53106. Lots still to come on the hard shoulder today, including after the break. Happy birthday to the CD-ROM. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.